Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the CCC Podcast. Hey, y'all. Hello. Look at us. We're somewhere else. Yeah, I was going to say, we're we are a in new a table. brand new setting. This is, a, this, is our, this is our CCC set. We were so. so we were so we were shooting the online message for those of you who are in person, and uh, mm-hmm. we just decided to drop right into this. That's you know, right. I, I was talking to some people who are coming in person now, and they had no idea that we do anything differently online yeah. now. So. You know what we've discovered? And I'll just say this: a lot of people who are coming in person never watched us online. No, they did because no. the stats of what is still online is about the same. About the same. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> they, were nice. just, they were just ignoring us altogether for well, a while like there. That. So we double our audience. By That's right. And of course, we know some of you all are online. You also ignore part of us by just That's turning true. off whenever you're tired That's of right. us. That's right. We know Taking all it those things. <laughs> all right. That's okay. That's right. So uh, I, I kind of felt like I needed to uh, like bring a cake in here or some kind of oh. celebratory thing because uh, today's kind of special. Is, is it what I think it is? We, I, I don't know. My wife had a birthday, and I thought... No, you didn't miss it. No, okay. You didn't miss it. Okay. Today's special because this is the first podcast we will have recorded after having reached a 1,000 subscribers. Yeah. So here we are. Do you feel different? No. No, not no, a bit. Either. Not a bit. We talked about it for a long time. We did. And now it's here, and it's kind of, it's kind of like everything else. It you, know, is. you build up to it, and it's like... It's okay. kind of yeah. here we are. I did look, you know, the interesting thing I did is I tried to figure out what all the benefits I was going to get. Yes, that's and right. And I figured out some of the some of them are cool. I can't wait to do some of those when they actually when they we have the we have we have now reached the threshold. They have not given us the key yet. Uh, they they're holding out on us. I understand. YouTube. For what I understand is the Google world where YouTube exists, there's they have to verify us, and eventually we will get welcomed wow. into the thought. But one of the things I looked is I looked at some of my favorite podcasters, and they're only slightly ahead of us. And I go, yeah. well, look at us. Look We're at so us. cool. Good job, CCC. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. So that's enough of that. We yeah. celebrated. That was we're, we're excited. Thanks for making that happen. There we go. Okay, on to the questions. All right. I have a uh, a question. Nobody sent this one in. This is just something that I hear. <laughs> Jason has questions. <laughs> it's my question. <laughs> no, actually, it's just something that I, I sense. I hear okay. people talking these days, and I thought, well, well, let's talk about it here and see how much hot water we can get ourselves <laughs> oh, in yeah. because this is really bad too because I didn't look at what this is. So. You didn't look. Nope. So you're gonna oh, get some hot take. Nathan Martin hot take. Nathan hot take all right okay here's the question all right a lot of people in particular christians these days uh, online and social media in conversations are worried that we're losing our freedoms in this country i hear a lot of people talk about we're losing our religious freedom we're losing our personal freedoms and i won't get into why they would say that because a lot of people have different definitions of what that is but most people say we're losing our freedoms so my question is, if that were true, which it may not be, but if that were true, how do Christ followers, how should we respond to that in our society? Good question. Hmm. Well, you guys have both known me a long time, so you know that I think we have lost personal freedoms, but the ones I think we lost, nobody but me seems to care about very much. Yes. I, I remember when they, uh, you know, back after 9-11 and they started making me get searched to be on planes, I was like, "Yep, what has happened to America? I know. <laughs> they were saying it's about being safe, and I, I'd rather be free than safe. <laughs> yeah. But now you don't think about everybody it. Everybody else, that's been 20 years, and now when I say that, people are like, oh, man, do you just mm-hmm. not care about people? And mm-hmm. you know, yeah. okay, I yeah. got it. I've accepted. I have flown since then. Yes, and they've searched me every time. That's sorry. So anyway, 
How should we respond? Let's suppose we become a place where there is, that's what you want me to suppose. That's right. There is no freedom. That's right. Where we have no freedom. Yes. My thought was, this is what I often go back to, is I go back and I look at history, and particularly the history of the church. And what I see when I look back is that most of the history of the church of Jesus has existed underneath societies where their freedoms were very limited, Mm -hmm. especially compared to what we have. Mm -hmm. And what I see and what I hear from my friends who live in countries that have less than the freedoms that we have is that the church does pretty well in those environments. Mm -hmm. In fact, better than our environment. Sure. Yeah, I will say that I have had personal conversations through my 40 years of doing ministry with people who have been in those countries. And then for whatever reason, they come to our country and they only experience Christianity in the Mm. other country and they come to our country and they cannot recognize our watered down version of Christianity. Mm. Absolutely. And, uh, they want to call us all to repentance <laughs> for the we have taken freedom to such a level that we they believe do damage to Jesus. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's one that's one way to think about that's it. That's one thought that I have. The other thought that I often have is again, I go back and I look at Jesus, mm-hmm. the one we follow, by the way, that we're supposed to emulate. He lived underneath a very oppressive, really oppressive, very limited freedom uh, in in his time. He never seems to me, he never really postured himself the way a lot of us Christians seem to want to posture ourselves in in our society as we got to fight, we got to stand up, we got to take a stand. He was was very much, he was very much comfortable in that world just living out love for enemies and mm-hmm. and i don't know i i got lots of yeah i think that, that was but. i think that was my answer when you asked how do you respond i think we we respond as jesus followers always respond we respond with love yeah and we respond with gentleness yeah. um yeah, everything about jesus modeled was not a was not um a, a kingdom of force and mm. a kingdom of power yes. and i think you know maybe one reason that in countries where there's less religious freedom and there's maybe even more oppression and persecution mm-hmm. that it thrives is there's a clear distinction at that point between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Mm-hmm. And so often in our country, we have tried to marry the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God and try to bring values of the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God. And that's not the way it works. In fact, I think this a theologian, Stanley Hauerwasser, however you say his name, who yeah. says the goal of the church is not to make um, make the world more like the church or something like that, but to make the world more like the world so that there's a clear distinction and that his point right, is... Say that, that one more time so I can get it in my his, head. His point is the goal of the church is not... I can't remember the first part of the quote, but the end of it is that it's the goal for the church to be more like the church and the world to be more like the world, that we often are trying to marry the two and say, all right, what are these American values, which we have lots of great American values, but a lot of them, even good things like independence, and I'm my own person, Hmm. often are at odds with kingdom of God values like I am committed to a community and Mm -hmm. what, and, you know, in Romans 12, 
He says in the church, we mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice. This idea of solidarity that when you suffer, I suffer. And that's not really an American value. An American no, value is, is I do my own thing. You do your own thing. You're responsible for you. I'm responsible. I don't, there's not a lot of bear my burdens and there's a level to it where my job is to so live in the kingdom of God that there's a clear distinction between me and those who don't. And I think that does happen in worlds where the, the, the culture of the, maybe the oppression and the persecution is so clearly different. It either forces me to say I'm out Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to do this, or it forces me to go deeper in. Hmm. So let, let me in, because I think all of that is exactly right. In fact, when I sit and listen to you think about talk about that, I am a big believer in freedom. You all know that. Sure. I mm-hmm. in, in our church, sure. we don't have tons of rules. I on our staff, I hate in general. I don't like making rules. I like relating to people. Yeah. And but uh, when it comes to freedom, when it comes to freedom, freedom is almost what destroyed my life before I came to Jesus. Is I lived my life free. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, however I wanted. That's the definition of freedom. I mm-hmm. did not consider how my behavior had an impact on anybody, but what I wanted to do and what I thought was best for me. And in the end, that almost killed me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just almost destroyed me. And honestly, taken to its natural conclusion, I haven't seen anybody live in it and do really well. Oh, or no. freedom. Mm, no. Now, with that said, I think it's our right and our responsibility to stand up for freedom. Freedom sure. is a good thing. Yes. Oppre- if the opposite of freedom is oppression, sure. then freedom is better than oppression. Yes. As long as Christians realize we are not already ultimately free, we have given our allegiance mm. to a higher authority already. We yeah. already said, I'm not free. Yeah. Well, and in, in particular, when Jesus talks about freedom, he is talking about freedom from sin, and mm-hmm. he is talking about freedom to live in the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's not at least, I, who knows what the founding fathers intended, but the kind of, as you said, the kind of twisted version of freedom that we have is whatever I want to do, I can do, and it doesn't matter what it does to anybody else because I'm personally free. That is not the Jesus mentality of freedom. When mm-hmm. Jesus talked about the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. He didn't say the sun sets you free, so go do whatever you want to do as long as you're happy with it, and that's fine. That's not the kind of freedom that we are to and I wouldn't even say indulgent is to live in it. Yeah. I I think I've talked about this in a message before. What we, what we ultimately want is not unlimited freedom because as you just said, unlimited freedom is damaging to us. Yep. Maximum freedom is what we want. Right. And maximum freedom is only found within the guardrails of God's will. Yep. The confines of God's will, because he has, he has created uh, this this world, this life to work this way, you you stay underneath my covering and you'll have the maximum amount of freedom that you possibly have and enjoy my protection and blessing and guidance in your life ultimately to lead where I want you to go. Um, but unlimited, taking off all the restraints, as you said, it's, it's self-destructive for pretty much everybody. Yeah. So I, I had this question actually asked to me Sunday mm. or, or a little bit of confrontation. Somebody was very disappointed in the way we did something because they were 
concerned. We should have done something different because our country is under attack. We're about to lose freedoms. And if the Christians don't stand up and do something while we can, we're not going to be able to do it. And they asked, aren't you? What should we do when we see that happen? And I said, well, we're actually in this series right now where we, we believe that our faith is what determines what we do. And there's nothing about what you described that changes anything about my faith. If, if I lose the ability to freely worship on Sunday, I still believe that God will do everything that he said he would do, that he is absolutely who he said he was, mm-hmm. and that every promise he made can be lived out when I cannot freely worship him without the threat of somebody telling me no. Sure. Sure. I I think that's possible. And that in that world, God would still be working for my good. And that in that world, I could still love other people. So everything that God has asked me to do could be lived in a world where people tell me not to do it. Yes. So Mm. it... And for many of us, the freedom to do it has become the freedom to do it when I want to. Mm. I, I have the freedom to worship, which also means I have the freedom to not do it, yep. which really is what the founding fathers were. When they, <laughs> oh, said, when yeah. they established freedom to worship, just mm-hmm. so we're all clear, they were establishing freedom to worship any way you want to or not to worship any way you want to because they were coming from places where they had been forced to worship a certain a way. way. Yeah. And a lot of people when they first got to this country did not worship at all. There was yeah. not a golden age where most people mm-hmm. in this country uh, went to church every Sunday. That has not existed from what we can tell. Mm-hmm. So I guess the answer to the question ultimately is we should respond just like we would always respond. Right. <laughs> we yeah. should continue to live the life Jesus called us to, to live with kingdom values, whether our freedoms are here or not, because I think we are able to do that either way. Well, because we're always able to love the person who's closest to us. Absolutely. Yeah. That, is the, that is the simple kind of gentle message of Jesus is, mm-hmm. who's your neighbor? Who's directly in front of you? Mm-hmm. Nothing is stopping you from loving them. Yeah. It, there is a good thing, and this is a whole other thing that we can go into or not. This doesn't have to be a part of that answer that has concerned me. It didn't concern me early on because I had other bigger issues like not being addicted to things and, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, not doing bad behavior that everybody hated. But once I got clear that a lot, there's a lot of patriotism and Christianity that is commingled that doesn't do good for the church. The church church loses in that and we don't see it. And so when people who aren't Christian see um, us getting really wrenched out of balance about our faith just because something is changing politically, Mm. it really is clear to them what matters most to us. It's Mm -hmm. that if you really believe God is on the throne and that he'll do everything he said he would do, then whoever gets elected or whatever they decide or whatever laws it passed, Mm -hmm. that doesn't change anything about God. And when you get really wrenched out of behavior about it, it becomes really clear which of those values, mm-hmm. and we can't always see it. Unfortunately, yeah. these are not things that are easy to see in the mirror. Well, And we lose, we lose our distinction in this world that Jesus gave us to, to live in the kingdom, which is a kingdom of, of peace, and, and, and Jesus said, without worry, with, mm-hmm. and, and to be completely at home in, 
in the kingdom of God, which is the thing that everybody, which is what makes all that political stuff, what feeds it. Everybody's looking for that, a place where everybody's wanting the world to work the way they think it ought to work, and, and they want everything to be okay and everybody to be okay. And and when we're not, like you said, it 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 communicates something that our hope is in that, to, mm-hmm. to create a world that we all want to live in. And Jesus said, no, I've it's in me. And if we all accepted that, that mm-hmm. it was true, well, then it would be, I, I believe, would be more attractive. People would see what was saying, well, that's, that's what we're going for. How'd you get it? Right. How, do you, how do you live that way, which is what I'm looking for? And then that's our chance to say, well, let me share with you what well, Jesus gave. And I think that's that <laughs> distinction that I was, I was trying to get to earlier, too, is when we live in such a way that we're clear I'm standing with the kingdom of God, even if it doesn't gel always with the values of this world, especially when it doesn't gel with the values of this world. Mm-hmm. As you said, it shows different because the, the the verse that's been in my head the past couple of weeks is Jesus. And I just read it today, surprisingly enough, once again, in discipleship, there's your discipleship. Right, plug, um, is when Jesus is talking to his disciples and they've been arguing about who's the greatest. And he says, you know, the Gentile kings are the kings of this world. They lord their power over one another. They, 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 they shove their authority and their power in their face, which we don't want to say this. That is what all of our political arguments toward. I want my side to win. So my side has the power and authority and we can reshape the world in our image, the way we want it to look and the way I want it done, which is the central sin. The central sin is I don't want, God to shape the world in his image. I want to shape the world in my image. And Jesus says, in response to that kind of power and authority, not so with you. Not so with my people. You will live in such a way that it's a gentle, as you said, peaceful kind of, I'm just living, I I am loving and serving whoever's in front of me, even if I don't have power and authority. Hmm. It's it's that book I read years ago, which I absolutely love, by Greg Boyd. Uh, it's called the myth. the myth of a Christian nation, which mm-hmm. that's going to tweak a lot of people. Sure. But it's a really great book. But his point is the kingdom of God is 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 powerful, but it is a different power. It yep. is a power under, not a power over. Yeah. That transformed my whole way of thinking yep. when I heard that phrase for the first time. And that's what you're describing. That's why the cross is the central thing, because it's not it that that when they said we we see the, the Messiah coming in power mm. and they thought he was coming, oh, he's riding yeah. in with an army, and he goes, No, mm. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And they go, What? And he would eventually Paul eventually says it's weakness and foolishness to everyone else. They mm-hmm. can't understand it because how can your God die? And he says, Through the death, I actually have power. Yes. That's where the power comes, is in is in dying to others. I'm trying to think of the first time I heard the phrase the cruciform life. And oh, yeah. I read I've read several books with that phrase that I, I nobody taught me that until I first heard that, you know, the Christian life is a cruciform life that I'm constantly looking at how can I die for mm-hmm. the benefit of others? How can my rights, my will mm-hmm. but that's a really it's a really tough thing, I think, for people who have had freedom. And I love freedom. Me too. I really do. Me too. Yeah, I really absolutely. do. I'm not I'm not saying that you should vote any way or at one or the other. Whatever yeah. freedom whoever you think would give you the most freedom, I'm okay with you yeah. deciding how to do that as long as when it doesn't go the way you want, because all the kingdoms I, I said to somebody recently, you know, it may outlive me, but the United States is going to die. Hmm. Because there are no kingdoms that have lived forever. Mm-hmm. None. 
I mean, certainly not the the powerful, most powerful army at that time, most powerful empire at the world. When Jesus, the Roman Empire, yeah. none of us are we, dealing with the Roman we Empire. Know, we know when all of the ones that are currently in power, I mean, all of them, you know the day they started, even if some of them were six, seven, eight hundred years ago, you point to the date. Well, we know, I don't care how you date the world, we know that wasn't the start. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what we know is somebody was ruling some kingdom on that dirt <laughs> before that group of people started rooting. This world that we have been ruling for 200 and something years on this dirt, there was a whole bunch of people ruling this dirt before we ruled it, and there yeah. was people ruling on this dirt before they ruled it. Sure. Yes. One day there will be other people ruling on this, and the good news for those of us who really believe, I mean, this really is the series. Yeah. Do you believe that God is over all of that? Mm. Yeah. And mm. that... So the United States goes away. My, my my confidence was not in the United States. Jesus was resurrected before it got here, and he'll still be resurrected yeah. long after. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's it. Yep. In fact, I have I work really hard these days because, and this will sound weird. I know I don't. I I have I got so corrected in South America the first time I went. When I used to say, when people say you're from, and I'd say I was from America, and mm. they would go, no, you're in America. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I do have a blind spot, don't I? <laughs> uh, is that the rest of the world also has freedom. We're not even the most free in some ways. We, we get my, really myopic. Mm -hmm. We can only see what we can see, but the rest of the world doesn't see us as something that I mean, they're not even, some of them just ignore us. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they're kidding. <laughs> well, thanks for coming to our last podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, we got off on that we one. Got, that was a good one, Jason. That's that was a good one. I, I, that appreciate that. I think I said when you started this, I'm, I'm willing to walk down this road with you, but you know. That was a hot take. <laughs> you could have said no. I know I could have. That's all right. All right. I'm still trying to figure out that quote I said. I'm still sitting there. I tried to Google it, and I can't even remember Stanley, it. Stanley. Stanley Hauerwass. I've seen the dude's name. I guess he's German. It looks like a German I word. I think so. I've read a book or two, but anyway. I'll bring it, I've, I've I'll bring it. it. Someone, someone can look it up and say, Nathan, you totally misquoted it. it. But what I said was good. I don't that's know right. that that's what he was saying. But All right. Yeah. So now we're turning it over to you because yes, it's, it's your turn to lead the discussion. Since let's I'm, talk about something else. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about that. something nicer. Judas. So <laughs> we're going to talk to Jason Preet on Sunday about uh, Judas and kind of walked us through um, the life and death of Judas and um, and kind of his his faith and how that often honestly many of us without knowing it model our own faith lives after the faith life of Judas wow where, uh, wow where uh, I I come to Jesus. Well, maybe maybe I'll let you say, but basically along the lines of I come to Jesus with something I'm expecting him to do yes. or I want him to do or I'm wanting Jesus to perform for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And when he doesn't, mm -hmm. I'm either done yeah. or... Well, I'm, it reveals what my faith was in. Sure. My faith was in the expectation or what I thought was going to happen. And therefore, if if that's what my faith is in, then it doesn't really matter who I follow. And Judas showed us that. He was following Jesus until Jesus didn't perform or behave the way he expected. And then he said, well, what really matters is what I want, my agenda. And so I'll go over here to the next group of powerful people, and I'll get them to perform my agenda, yeah. and we'll, it'll all be okay. And, and so it revealed that Judas really wasn't in it for Jesus. He was in it for Judas. And 
that that's a hard and I felt it in the room when I spoke on Sunday. I could feel that that was a very hard pill to swallow. It was a hard thing for me to say, but it is how many of us wind up practicing faith. And I don't mean to harken back to the question that we just answered, mm-hmm. but a lot of us Americans we we shape our version of faith to and hope that Jesus can get us there. And then when he doesn't, then we often put our faith, our reliance in other structures, other systems of the yep. world to achieve that. And it just reveals that we're not in it for him. We're in it for so us. So I think that was the question that I wanted had to get us started was, yeah. personally for us, what are things in your life? I remember, I don't remember who said it. I heard it years ago when I first started thinking, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll try my hand at preaching. So I listened to a bunch of bunch of preachers, and one I can't remember who it was, but he said, if you've only had one conversion in your life, because uh, he was going at the idea of you get you know you get just baptized and that's the end of your faith journey. He said, if you've only had one, then you may you maybe have missed you may not have even had the one because several times in your life, and I've had many in my life where I go, what you just said, my faith was not in Jesus; it was oh, in this yeah. thing, and it might have been like tangential to Jesus. So I thought it was Jesus, mm-hmm. and then I realized, oh, he's over here, but. I mean, still regularly, I'll go, oh, he was actually over here. <laughs> or it was a part of Jesus. I got sure. a glimpse of Jesus. Yes. That glimpse was really attractive. And I thought, oh, I need to get my life in line with that glimpse. And then I got a picture of something else, and it irritated me that there was more, mm-hmm. you right. know, because it meant yeah. I had to change more. It had been hard enough for me to change the first time. Yeah. And now I see more of who God is because. I mean, you know, God, God's immense. Yeah. I mean, he's just immense. And so there is a lot I have. I think that's why eternity is so much more attractive to me. I anticipate, and maybe this is wrong. God will, you've heard me say both of this a long time. My favorite professor was the guy that would say, Hey, when I get to heaven, I'll have the flat forehead because I'm going to be the guy walking around going, oh, that's the way that was. Oh, that's the way. (laughs) And that's what I've done my whole life. And I think in eternity, I'm still going to be doing it, is I'm just going to have more contact with more spiritual giants, and I'll go, really? Oh, okay. There'll be no condemnation in it. Mm -hmm. I'll be able to change it easier because there won't be Mm -hmm. so much pull on the inside of me. But I was right. I thought I was right. Well, and I think the interesting part, and this is why I kind of wanted to bring it up, because I think for us to kind of normalize that a little bit for people of not having to necessarily feel guilty when you get to a place where you go, Oh, I, I, my faith was in the wrong thing because, um, you know, the story Jason talks about on Sunday is Judas, but also Peter has a very similar experience, right? He comes to Jesus wanting one very specific thing. He betrays Jesus and not in a very similar way, right? Denies Jesus, Mm -hmm. but then recognize it, repents of that, turns his life around. Whereas Judas just says I'm done and and, yeah. get, and exits and and is a problem. So what I mean is for for people to not get to a place where they go, oh man, I, my faith is in the wrong thing. I guess I missed my shot. Hmm. And for us to be able to say, no, that's pretty normal. So have there been things, and I'm I'm sure there are, but are there times where you think and go, man, uh, Jesus kind of revealed to me, man, you're missing a part of this. You're just missing a part of this. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I went through a period in my twenties probably, um, where I had to, I had to come to grips with my, my theology, my way of, of practicing my faith was, I was going about it 
in a way that was highly excluding and highly um, hateful mm. and unloving toward people who were not of my tribe. Um, I, I grew up in a very limited circle of Christianity, and we were all going to heaven. We were all right, and everybody else was deluded, and I had to figure out how to get them all into my circle. And when I started realizing that the way I was living life in that circle was antithetical to what Jesus called me to be. <laughs> I had to die to that rightness and that security that I grew up in to open that up a little bit so that I could... So it wasn't necessarily, to, to use the language you use, I wasn't necessarily following Jesus more than I was following my tradition mm. or my upbringing that that caused me to feel like I was I was right with God when Jesus is the one that makes me right with God and and I had to trade those and it's a it's a day you know Paul said I die daily uh, right and I think that's true uh, that we have these little deaths all throughout our lives where we have to come to grips with that that's got to go away. If I'm going to keep following, he's, he's, he's right there. He's ahead of me. And if I'm going to keep following him, I got to die to this or else I'm off mm-hmm. or I can't go any further. And so you got to choose. You got to let that go in order to continue to follow him. And that's just one example. There's been several in my life. But yeah, I have had a bunch <laughs> of them too. I, I think the most painful for me, and it had to happen multiple times, has been my nature of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very strong-willed. I'm very, and always have been. And when I first became a Christian, I just try to take my strong-willedness and put it under the authority of Jesus. I knew I had to submit to him, but I thought it really meant copying what I saw the people who had helped me come to Christ. And what I found out is they were really narrow. Hmm. They were really narrow. And uh, all along the way, things inside of me... (laughs) Of, I've always had this thing of, yeah, but Jesus loved me when I wasn't any of the things that you tell me. I mean, you told me Jesus loved me when I wasn't any of the things that you, yeah. and so I, I pushed against that for a long time, and I disappointed those people. They'd be so disappointed in me, and really, I found out eventually, I just really wanted people to, I wanted not only God's approval, I wanted people to approve me. I really wanted people to approve me, and I... Um, I couldn't get it done in their way. So then I went off and I go, well, I'm going to go toward the Jesus way. And there was a group of people, you know, we started this church. We're just going to love people. And I thought, man, if I just do the Jesus way, then everybody will love me. <laughs> and I found out, oh, that doesn't work at that all. Didn't work for Jesus. <laughs> I know it didn't. I don't know why that didn't hit me in my head. And uh, I can remember all of my family's in bed at the little house on Beaver Creek when we had moved here and we started the church and everybody called it success. And I realized everybody thinks what we're doing is a success and no one really likes me. <laughs> mm-hmm. They like what's happening, but every time I tell them what it takes to make this happen, they don't like that. And they don't like that. I keep making it happen. And for about two years, God and I had an argument over, uh, and he, you know, and those kind of things, I just goes, well, you should just run after that. Just keep, man, go after making people like you, but do the right thing while you're doing it. 
<laughs> and, and eventually, whole, go out and do it quickly. Yeah, yeah just go out and, and, and eventually. I was smart enough to go, oh, you put me in an impossible situation. I can't do the right thing yeah. and have people like me. And I can just remember saying, okay. I mean, it was, I can remember clearly it was at an anniversary situation where people were standing up, they're telling testimonies of how their lives have been changed and everything's going great. And I'm sitting behind the screen waiting to go on and preach. And I'm saying to God, okay, I get it. You're doing good stuff and people don't like me. So, but you like me. <laughs> you like me. You're happy with what's happened. I see the honor that has come to you. And as a byproduct, you've shared it with me. I can feel it. I can mm -hmm. feel it a little bit of your smile on my life. Mm. That was a that was a death to me. Mm. And uh it changed stuff for me. It allowed honestly, it allowed this church to continue on. I don't think if that death had never happened in me, uh, we'd have ever made it much further because we changed so much in the early years of this church, really trying to figure out how I could get people to, to do the right thing and still be happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what I've figured out is you can't get people to do the right. You're going to have to make some people unhappy to get the right thing done. Mm. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, that's probably a similar thing. I mean, I, I think one thing I'm learning about myself, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known early on about me is, is how much I, I hate failure. I hate failing at things and I hate weakness and I hate, I just, I hate it. I, I don't like it in myself. I want success more than anything. And I think, um, several times in my life, the thing we were just talking about of the cruciform nature of, um, that, that, that it's not just that the cross appeared as weakness, but that the cross was weakness, that the cross was Jesus taking on weakness and moving into it. Uh, there's, there's very much a, a part of my life that wants to talk about the power of the cross and the victory of the cross. And I remember I was reading a book recently that, that, that talked about, um, a pastor I could relate to who did a Good Friday service. We don't we don't do Good Friday services, but you know, Good Friday services. You're you're talking about the cross, and it's a very uh, uh, lament heavy thing. And he would end he would end the service always with talking about the resurrection. And someone came up to him afterwards and would say, "This was a Good Friday service, and you're <laughs> talking about Sunday." And they said, but he's, "Well, everyone would leave sad." And there's this feeling, and that's been my entire life, is I don't want to talk about my own weaknesses. I, I want to smooth everything out. I want to deal with all that. And so that was one thing, and this one very much leads into it, but I think one of the biggest ones was about seven, eight years ago. Uh, it, this was a weakness on my part that kind of got pointed out to me. Uh, and we've talked about this a lot lately, but um, I think for me, my view of Christianity and my view of heaven, if I talked about, if I, if I was open uh, and this is not something I'm proud of, is it was very white. If you ask, if you, if you, everything I thought about Christianity by its nature, probably mainly by my experience, was, was very white and was very success oriented, right? We're going to, almost what we were just talking about of, you got to, you got to build a following and you got to keep growing and you're going to grow and you're going to grow and you're going to get more power and influence and all that kind of stuff. And so the idea of saying, um, well, let's get involved in the lives of people who don't have a lot of power and who are uh, necessarily in oppression and God kind of opening up my mind to the struggle of black and brown people in our country and our world and people in my own life who I was close to had been trying to tell me for a long time. Uh, Nathan, I don't think you, you, you treat us the same way and ignoring that and God really breaking my heart to 
you are so focused to smoothing everything out that you won't listen to the voice of anybody else and that I'm trying to speak to you in that. And I think seeing that Jesus lived his life among uh, the poor and the powerless and people who were oppressed and very much finds himself in the midst of that and realizing I was worshiping a Jesus who uh, only had conquered the grave and who had not gone through the weakness and the powerlessness and and all of those things. And so I think in my life trying to, uh, the word we used before was solidarity and to live in mourning with those who mourn and trying to embrace that part of it uh, was huge to me because that's not what I wanted my faith to be. I wanted my faith to be about my personal success and me per- and not necessarily having to worry about what's going on in anybody else's life. And uh, it's it's impossible to follow Jesus and not be interested in what's going on in anyone else's life. Yep. So. All right, and uh, let me see, just to make sure. All right, we're, 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 we're running a little low on time, so did anyone else have anything? I had one other question, but oh, yeah. I, I know we've got... Okay, well, so the other thing I wanted to just briefly... I was enjoying the conversation, so... Okay, well, there you go. Ahead. We don't have to do the fun part. Okay, well... We don't have to, that's right. Uh, the, the, the other part that I thought was very interesting out of Sunday was, and I'm trying to remember the quote, my internet's not working, so I can't get the quote exactly, but, uh, this, this is, see, that's a weakness on my part. I didn't download the script. Uh, so, um, you, you mentioned towards the end that when you, once you get to a place where you've decided, uh, your agenda is more important than God's agenda, something along those lines, right? You are now responsible for the outcome. Was that the basic? Yeah, I mean, that's the gist it, of what. But you're when saying. you give yourself to God, He becomes He becomes responsible right. for the outcome. So I want to talk about that just kind of briefly. You talked about it a little bit in the. But how have you seen that true in your life? That you've placed mm. your agenda over God's agenda, and and because I often think that people think of it as. And I had this conversation with somebody before, and they said, and all this is even questions about hell of. God sending people to hell and God coming after people yeah. and trying to explain to people, uh, God. And when we use this quote before of that, God's going to let everyone into heaven who can possibly stand it. The issue, the issue with God and His blessings, not that God isn't blessing us, is that we're not receiving them and we're not we're mm-hmm. not coming onto His agenda. So, the question is, where in your life have you seen God had a clear path for me that would have been for my flourishing and for my goodness? But I had a different agenda, and so it wasn't that God was punishing me. I was just now responsible for what happened. Mm. Is that you know? So uh, yeah. it's your message. So I'm gonna let you go, but I have no, an answer. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just I was having this conversation earlier with uh, my good friend and coworker Steve Clark, and we're both we're the same age. I know Steve looks younger than me. We're the same <laughs> age, and uh, we were talking about what it feels like to be older and have walked with our good Lord for so long. The benefit I have now of that is I am a totally different person. And I, and I think both of y'all can see that I'm not the same person. I mean, y'all know me a long, long time. There's still things about me that are the same, no doubt. But yeah. I know in myself um, I am changing. And Steve was saying something to me. He'd noticed something. He was affirming something. And I said, you know, the benefit, the old me would look back at 60 and go, yeah, I, that's true about me. And there is a moment. There's moments I have where I look back and go, wow, if I'd have had that at 30, I would have been a much better dad. I'd have been a much better preacher. I'd have been a much better pastor if I'd have been all of this. And just for a moment, I feel all of that loss. But God is so good that just in a moment, he I mean, I really, I have these moments now where I'll do that, and God will go, hey, eternity is a long time, dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you're, you're not close to done. And, uh, yeah. and then we were having this little conversation. We both almost said with a little bit of grin and I'm, I'm not done fixing all the rest of the stuff in you either. And right. you, you can't even imagine how much it's, how much better it's going to be. And so there were times in my life early on where I was totally in control of everything. I, I, I mean, you know, I'd use my strengths in a way that I knew would bring about things and wasn't as reliant on God to do what only God could do. And I did pre I did, I did create people who would do what I asked them to do. And then when I began to get to the point that I began to see, Hey, I need to ask people to do what God wants to do. I found out, no, they were convinced of doing what I wanted to do. And just because I switched to Jesus, they weren't really interested in following mm -hmm. Jesus. <laughs> and so I screwed some things up. I was mm -hmm. that, that, that result of me using my strength to get people to do the agenda, even though they were God things, they mm -hmm. weren't doing them because God wanted it. They were doing it because I mm -hmm. wanted it. And when I shifted gears to things that they didn't necessarily want to, because I had never gotten them on God's agenda, you know, I'm, I feel a little partially responsible for that. So now I'm at a place that I really do have a good amount of freedom of, uh, you know, you ask me a question, I'm going to try to tell you as much as I can. And I've always been this way to some degree, but way more so in the last 10 years or more. If you ask me a question, I'm going to try my best to tell you what I think God's answer is to it as well as I understand it. And whatever results come out of that, I'm just not responsible for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, and I don't feel any bad. I, I, it bothers me when it hurts your feelings. It, uh, I mean, I feel bad for you. <laughs> But I don't feel like I did anything that I shouldn't have done. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it's right. I, that's the only illustration I have of me personally of once I released, it really was coming of, I, I used to be in those conversations. I'd say, I need to tell them the truth, but I need to figure out how to say it in such a way that when they're done, they will be glad I told them. Mm -hmm. And now I've come to realize there's some truth you have to tell people. Mm -hmm. There is no way to say it in a way that they're going to be glad you said it. They may be glad one day, maybe. Yeah, maybe. They may one day, they may be glad. But uh, there just ain't any way to get that done. But then it's yeah. not my responsibility. I'm, my job is just to say the truth. Yeah. I think I, I really said what I would say to the answer to that question in my message. Because I, when I preach, for most of the time I'm preaching to me. Mm, um, that's true. And so what... That part that I said in the message about we all spend a whole lot of time in our lives worrying and fretting because we're t constantly trying to manage outcomes. That that was and still is my life, but I'm better at it than I used to be. But it used to be my life. That was it. I, I was trying constantly to manage outcomes, and so it, I was all over the place. Um, and and it was in every area, spiritually, my job, my relationships, and then it bled over when I became a father. Um, and now, and it's sad because I got a daughter who's got a year left in my house, and I feel like I'm just now starting to get some of this right hmm. as a dad of just just doing the right thing as and loving her in the right way, my daughter I'm speaking of, and giving her the direction in a way that I feel like my heavenly father would do for me and then letting that go mm -hmm. right. and then being okay with what comes next. 
and not then putting it back on me of saying, well, that that's on you and you got to be, you better get back in there and you better fix that because it's on you. It's on you. It's on you. And yes, there's responsibility at, at on me as a dad, but mm-hmm. my responsibility is to follow him mm-hmm. <laughs> and and model my heavenly father to my family and then let him take care of the outcomes and become the dad he called me to be. And so now that I'm starting to get that, I'm, I feel like I'm a lot less, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm getting better to live with. I'm not quite so geeked up about things as a parent and as a, and as a husband, as a father, I, I just, I, I feel a lot more peace in that. But again, it's a, it's a constant thing that I constantly have to check myself on all the time. You know, that that way you just said is a good way to measure it. And I've heard, I've heard that and I've said that before, but I need to get that really locked in my mind. When I get to managing outcomes, mm-hmm. yeah, that is dangerous stuff. When I'm trying to think in my saying, well, if I do this, this will happen. If mm-hmm. I do this, this will happen. If I do this, this will happen. Mm-hmm. Boy, there ain't no telling what's going to happen. No, there's not. And so what I need to do is figure out what do I need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it goes back to the question that I, I learned from Andy Stanley years ago. Is in every circumstance, you ask, what does love require of me? Right. Um, what would be the wise thing to do? Right. Those are some questions he constantly is asking when he and, – and, and I've taken those on. What does love as, – as a dad, as a husband, as a coworker, what does love require of me now? What's the wise thing to say? What's the wise thing to do? I do that, and then I just go, okay, now we'll see where that goes. Because now you're you're in charge of this, God, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna see what you do, and then when you give me another shot, I'll do I'll try to do the loving thing and the wise thing the next time, and then let you take it the the rest of the way, and and then just not get in his way quite so much. Yeah, that's my challenge constantly. I think I think that's good. Things very similar for me. I thought when you were talking, I think that's been the biggest lesson. And I talked about this some on the last podcast, so I'll, I'll keep it shorter on this where our super fans can go back and mm-hmm. remember. But, uh, you know, I think... I think that's Joel's mom. Joel's mom. <laughs> Joel's mom. But he, Joel's not on this, so Joel's mom's not watching this. <laughs> that's right. We'll let Joel come sing a song. Once then, Joy saw that Joel wasn't on screen, she's like, yeah. I'm not watching this. <laughs> um, so, I think, uh, so I think for me, similar, like the lesson that I'm learning these days is, is very similar to what you're talking there, of not trying to control, especially with parenting, not trying to control. There's a lot with my girls and their challenges that I often think, I don't know what their future is going to be, and my my reaction often is, well, I'm going to fix it now. Yeah. I'm going to fix it yeah. now. I'll do what I can. Nip it in the bud. You know, I'm going <laughs> to nip it in the bud. And constantly what the voice of God is saying to me is you've got to be gentle and you have to just be you have to just be loving that what they need most is someone just to love them that that ultimately that is what we bring as parents that no one else brings the truth is and i'm not saying that i have consequences for my kids and all that kind of stuff but the truth is life is going to have consequences for my kids if i allow it to happen yes. they will get enough consequences they're going to get mm-hmm. the consequences most parents take away the consequences right. life would bring yeah but <laughs> but one thing that i bring them that nobody else is going to bring is actual unconditional love yes, that models yes. the heavenly father of just constantly saying, I know you messed this up and I know this hurts, but let's go forward to the next part instead of, I don't think that hurt enough. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's add another consequence. Cause I want to make sure, you know, not mm-hmm. to do that. one again. You know what yeah. the favorite parent con- uh, consequence always is 
lecturing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I say it one more time. I know you had consequence. Way. Let me now lecture. And every mm-hmm. kid goes, God, this is the worst yes. consequence. Yes. <laughs> yes. They don't hate it like change their behavior. They just turn their brain off. Yeah. Yes, they stop listening. <laughs> Eyes you go just dead. Keep talking. You just keep so, talking. But similar. Learning just to let it go and say, I'm not responsible. And going back to God's agenda, when we get into managing outcomes, usually what it is is us justifying why God's way won't work. I know God yeah. said to be gentle Boy, in this situation, that but that just doesn't work in real life. So no, I, yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna step outside God's will for just one second, and I'll, I'll correct what I need to correct, and I'll come back. And every time I step outside, it's like when there's a storm outside. I let the door open; it comes flying back and hits me in yeah. the face. I know yeah. God said forgive, but come on now. But he Not didn't think about this. He didn't think about this situation. My on the cross is different. Yeah. Well, we all think our circumstances yes. different unique. somehow, I or it's am yeah. unique. Yeah, yeah, so. you're not. You're not special. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> that's a good way. That's a good way to end the podcast. You're, You're not special. Are we gonna do the fun or are we? We done? can do. We can do the fun. I, I don't know. I don't know. Do we have time? I got Joel I, off camera. Tell us how much time we have wasted so much for people. Almost forty nine minutes. Oh, I think we. Can that get it is done. not enough time to have get wasted done. for we you. Get it done. We All want right. to waste a full hour for you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do. I'm doing five questions again. All right, okay. and you Let's guys. Do lightning and round. you guys are gonna. I, you guys are gonna pick two. Okay. Each each of you pick okay. a number, and then I'm going to ask four. You. You're picking four. All right. You didn't see it, did you? So no. we're doing four of the five questions. No, no. he's picking number four. I'm picking out number of four. the five. Got it. I have them numbered, Ed. I just picked. I number. know, but we're each picking two, so that's no. four. No. He's picking one. You're, you're picking. picking one. We're picking a total of two. <laughs> now I have the rules. That was actually Do your question. Go over this. <laughs> We did this before. I know we do, but you know, it's a new day. I'm like a baby duck. It's gone. It's a baby duck. Here's question number four. What's your most memorable celebrity encounter? I've not met many celebrities. I'll tell you this. I, I, I this is not. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to make these people feel bad if they happen to be watching oh, wow. the podcast. But they're not like full on like for most people celebrities. But I I used to um, play with a uh, a band a singer songwriter who um, was kind of did shows all around Georgia. And so one of them was we used to go Sarin B, which is nearby here, and uh, we were playing. And I'm. Um, I'm opening kind of just as people are coming coming in and because I was the guitar player, so I would do a couple of songs myself. And as I am, there's a guy who's sitting up front. I'm like, man, that guy looks familiar. And then he comes in and he puts a $20 bill in as a tip. And I was like, oh, big spinner. Which, yeah. I mean, I don't know how, if you've ever done this before, you don't ever get a $20 tip ever. <laughs> you may get $20 altogether. So we were like, Somebody oh. may come up and take money out. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> someone's making change take a little too much. Uh, but yeah, anyway. And then I looked over and this guy... Doesn't mean anything probably to anyone else, but uh, I used to be a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, and this guy was on that show as a guy named Wesley Wyndham Price. His name is Alexis Denisoff, but his wife, who was also there, her name is Allison Hannigan, and she was on a show called How I Met Your Mother, and she was Lily on that show, if you've ever seen that. So the the red-headed lady, she was also on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they were there with their children, and they stayed, and they, they danced at like while we were playing and I was like, Oh, this is the greatest day of my life. And I couldn't Damn. stop texting about it. So that's probably like the best okay. encounter. I think I've run, I've probably seen other celebrities, but that was very cool. So awesome. Mine. Yeah. So mine is years and years and years ago. And you have to, maybe you'll know who this person is and you won't. Many of you will. Uh, I had was working. We had a very small, very small uh, radio station at the Christian school. I went to, 
very mm. small. Could not hear it past the parking lot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but just right around. Yeah, right around the thing. Yeah. And uh, there was a singer going to come and do a thing, and they needed somebody to go pick her up. And I was, and it was Amy Grant. Wow. Oh. But she wasn't Amy. Gr- she was yeah. Amy Grant, yeah. but no not, one. Yes. Yeah. She, she hadn't she, gotten before Amy. she was yeah. famous. She hadn't sung any of those songs that yeah. people know her for now, yeah. nor met anybody that anybody. And cares I will about. tell people this because nobody in the Christian music world, if you do know who Amy Grant is, you might also know who Rich Mullins was. Yes. Yes. And Ed went to college with I, Rich. Mullins. I did, and Rich. Been time when Becky and I Becky Becky was a caretaker for my bad collection of friends I had a really weird collection of friends Rich was among them mm-hmm. and uh, Becky would have been a caretaker and so we have a very memorable place I won't tell all because Rich yeah. was a unique person yes, I want, no need right. I mean God rest his soul he was a great human yes absolutely but my he, favorite Christian artist of all time he had lots of issues which I sh- shared well, some of those who and uh we went to see a movie, which some of y'all will know this movie if you're old. There was an Anthony Hopkins and Margaret movie called Magic, in which he there is a uh, uh, there is a uh, ventriloquist dummy. Anthony Hopkins is a ventriloquist. The, the dummy is possessed. <laughs> it's before what's the doll that everybody oh Chucky. you're Chucky. This okay. is pre Chucky. Okay. We went to see this movie at a midnight showing. It freaked Rich out. <laughs> I mean, freaked him out. That's great. Uh, to the point that he wanted to walk back to back with me out, oh, of, wow. out of the thing, and Becky made fun of him. For Aww. God bless him. He wanted to stay at our house that night because we only we had a one-bedroom apartment, and by one bedroom, I mean it was one room, in mm. which our bed was in it, and the kitchen was wow. also there. Very cool. <laughs> Awesome. And we said no. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now it's uh, your turn to pick the number. So you can pick one, two, three, or five. Uh, let's do number three. What movie can you watch over and over again and never get tired of? I it? don't have one of those. Ah. Not one? He doesn't ever watch... There are certain Christmas movies you watch. There are, but only because other people want to watch them. Ah. And I used to watch James Bond movies Mm -hmm. because I really liked the James Bond series. Yeah. But if I had... There are no movies I want to see again. Hmm. I'm a... Let's move on. Mine are very limited. uh, The Godfather. Yeah. I, I could watch that. One and two, three not so much, but one and two because I just I could sit and I love the quotes. I also I love The Godfather too, and I I am not saying I haven't watched it again. I have. There uh, there are movies yeah. I've watched again. There's none that if you yeah. said let's sit down and watch something again, I yeah. don't have an answer to that. I just recently watched uh, the Star Wars movies with my mm. daughter because it was her first time, oh. and that was a blast. Yeah, oh. we watched all nine. Wow, we were quarantined. So, oh yeah, they yeah. all came out on Disney Plus, and we yeah. all, we watched them. And I watched, I had her watch them in order of release date, not the right way to do the it. right way. Yeah. So we went through, and she got the full experience. Now I will say this: I just like the rest of America watched Hamilton this past mm-hmm. weekend, mm-hmm. and I will probably watch it again. It's it's phenomenal. I hate musicals. I, I'm telling you, man. I, I think you owe it to you owe it to yourself. Uh, you owe it to yourself to musicals. give it a shot. I'm just it's saying. Great. So when you said Hamilton, but that doesn't count as a movie. I for about uh, three years, I was. I, I don't think it left my uh, Spotify playlist like the only thing I listened to for about 
for which it never happens. I I probably listen to an album for maybe two weeks and then move on. I probably listened to it for about a year and a half. Hamilton, Out, yeah. Hamilton. Oh, yeah, I was obsessed. Yeah, I was telling were. everybody about Hamilton. Like you gotta listen. To Hamilton. I thought I would never watch it because of that. Yes, I bought. Yeah, but my brother Benjamin was like, "I'm you've overhyped it," and then he watched it and enjoyed it. So okay. I was very happy. Well, let's about be it. clear. He and his wife watched it the way they watched everything. They Half watched about thirty minutes and then waited a little while, and like a day it. or two. <laughs> so for me, with movies, uh, yeah. I actually rewatched tons of stuff. I've been that way since I was a little kid. Uh, rewatched tons of stuff. Probably the movie I've watched the most. I heard somebody say this that it was it's the millennial Star Wars. Even though some millennials might say Star Wars is theirs. Uh, Jurassic Park. Uh. That's kind of the millennial Star Wars. It was like the movie event of our childhood was mm-hmm. was Jurassic Park. I've watched that movie. You sure hundreds of times hmm. and uh, my girls watched it and they liked it and so i was very happy it was very much like a you you, you might be gone if you can't figure this part out but they love jurassic park so we were very All much right. in Jurassic park other one is uh surprisingly terminator 2 i watched nice. terminator 2 frequently okay. one of the few sequels that is significantly better than the original i'll say this about nathan and his jurassic park thing when he was younger he watched that so much at our house that I made up words to the mm-hmm. theme song of Jurassic <laughs> Park, but I'm not going to sing it on you here. Please They're don't. Terrible. It, they were excellent lyrics. No. <laughs> They're like most lyrics I write for me and Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're not for anyone. Jesus doesn't even like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to have to talk to him about that. Yeah. All right. Okay. We so we are done and we are way over time, but that's okay. So thanks for listening, watching. Subscribe on YouTube and get us over farther over a thousand. Farther over a thousand. See you next time. Bye bye.